0: Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion, yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well for you. We are in the midst of a weekend. So we've got that going for us, which is nice. (laughs) Sorry for the old man movie reference, but if you know, you know. If you don't, don't worry about it. Anyway, yesterday I had kind of a different day. I only did one TikTok, which is very unusual for me. I do three or four almost every day, if not more than that, depending on what's going on in my head. But I only did one TikTok, but I did a live Now, I don't normally do a lot of lives. It's not because I don't like doing it, because I do. I don't do it typically because I always attract all these trolls. They try to take over the whole thing. Uh, They report you and get your videos taken down or get your live taken down. It's just more hassle than I care to deal with. But the last several times I've done it, I've had some pretty good luck. I have some moderators now, and they do a wonderful job trying to weed these people out. I've told them, you see one troll, block them, get rid of them, because uh, they're nothing but trouble. They don't add anything to the whole situation. And I really like the lives, too, because it's a chance to interact with some people, and I do better interacting with people. I mean, in the TikToks, it's fine. I have my little shows that I do, but I'm essentially talking at people, and I have a lot of followers, and I have a lot of affection for those followers, so to be able to actually interact with them is a good thing. I like doing it, and I like this new component where you can pull people on and uh, bring them into the live with you, and you can actually talk to them. I enjoy that a lot, so if you ever see me in a live and uh, you're not a nutcase... Ring me up. I'll put you on. We'll talk for a bit. Um, I've always been reluctant of doing that, though, because when I first started doing it, and that option was there, somebody would say, can I talk to you live? I said, sure. What the fuck? Push the button. And then I got a lot of dipshits. You know, either they were trolls or just goofy or just stupid or some young girl trying to sell her looks on TikTok. And I just, you know, I just don't need to fucking see that. So, um We had this woman kept coming on and saying her name is Rainey, and she wanted to talk. I said, Rainey, I don't know who you are. I'm not going to take that risk. Sorry. But she kept working it, kept working it. And then I finally put her on. And you know what? She was fucking outstanding. I was glad to have her on. She brought a lot to the table and made it very interesting. So thank you to Rainey. I told her to tune into the podcast, too. Apparently, she hadn't heard of it as yet. So maybe she's listening to this one. So if you are, Rainy, thank you very much for joining me on the live. It made it a whole lot better. All right. Now, we always start the show, at least as of late, talking about emails that I've gotten. And I've told you that uh, if you'd like to reach out, make a comment, complaint, have a question, you can do that by sending me a note at rationalboomer at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm, look for the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave a voicemail message. I really enjoy the comments. Now, I have two emails. They're short emails. But in both cases with these emails, I had to go to the Google machine. I had to verify some shit. (laughs) So let's get to it. First one comes from Bruce. He says, "I think I understand Vladimir Putin. At five foot three, he has the Napoleon complex, the little man syndrome. In order to compensate for his short stature, he acts out with aggression towards others. The tough guy. He will hate being called short or little man." Now, I had no idea that Vladimir Putin was five three. I knew he was shorter, but uh, not five three. So I had to Google it. <laughs> what I found out that uh, Vladimir Putin is, in fact, 170 centimeters. Didn't know what that fucking was. So I had to convert that. And it comes up to being just under 5'7". And uh, that's shorter. It's not quite 5'3". But uh, you saw him when he was standing next to Donald Trump, who's like six foot, six foot one something. There is definitely a difference. And he does seem smaller than a lot of the people. Now, I'm not going to give him shit about that, because I'm not a tall guy. I'm about 5'8. Not a tall guy at all. It's never bothered me. Fact is, my wife is uh five ten, so she's taller than I am. And people say, does that bother you? No. Why would the fuck would it bother me? I don't give a shit. Besides, I did my kids a favor. <laughs> Both my kids are over six foot two right now. And thank God I married my wife, otherwise, they'd be about five, three, and in Putin's range. (laughs) So, Vladimir Putin is, in fact, five, well, five, six point nine, I think, something like that. And, uh, but he still may have a problem with his height. Some people do. And obviously, he has some emotional and mental problems. Um, And does he have some kind of syndrome? I'm sure he's narcissistic. I'm sure he's sociopathic. I'm sure he's a pathological liar because that's all he fucking does is lie. So he does definitely have some problems. So, Bruce, thanks for pointing that out and making me look at what his height is. I've always wondered that, never took the time to look into it. And now we know. Okay, this next one comes from a, a woman by the name of Moo. Moon in SoCal, Southern California. Moon in Southern California. Now, she's written before, but she's calling me out on this one. She says, you used the term shyster in your podcast yesterday. Some folks think that this is a, a hate word, and anti-Semitic. Now, I'll be honest with you, Moon, I've never heard that. I've never heard anybody say that was a... Uh, anti-Semitic word. I didn't know it had any relation to uh, to Jewish people. I honestly didn't. So <laughs> I thought, well, how could I have missed that? How do I not know that? I mean, I don't say things to insult people of different colors, different religions, different sexual entor- uh, entor- uh, orientations. I just don't do that. That's not my thing. I don't really care about people's differences. The fact is, they're people and we're all the same. But I had to look. I had to look. And Moon, I'm not doing this to call you out. I'm doing it for my own, my own emotional state because I didn't honestly believe that uh, Scheister was anti-Semitic. I certainly didn't mean it as such. So I Googled it and I got the New York Law Journal and the question at the top of the page is shyster anti-semitic now we got a pretty long column here and i'm just going to read part of it sometimes the most common terms mean different things to different people meaning depends on context as lawyers well know after all interpretation is a large part of what they do uh, new york the new york observer for example recently complained about the National Review's use of the word shyster. According to the Observer, shyster is a deplorable and demeaning word, not acceptable in polite company, offensive, redolent, and prejudiced and hatred. So, Moon, you're right. Some people do think it's a bad word or anti-Semitic in some way. Now, this this author goes on to say, the part about prejudice threw me for a moment, moment. but the observer explained that shyster has traditionally been loaded with anti-Semitism. To the observer, it has bigoted associations because people who use the epithet uh, are talking about Jewish lawyers who in their minds are no different from the scheming, devious Shylock. Now, i got to be honest with you. I'm thinking lawyers. If you watched TV in the 60s or 70s, if you got a slimy, grimy lawyer on the TV show, they'd say, oh, he's a shyster. (laughs) So anyway, here's the interesting thing. The first syllables are the same. Shylock and shyster. It is as if the sounds to the ear become equivalent to the mind. And, of course, lots of lawyers are Jewish. I know lots of lawyers that aren't Jewish. The editorial confused and surprised me. Of course, I had heard the word shyster before many times, but never put in an anti-Semitic cast on it. I just thought it meant a crooked lawyer. Indeed, I had heard many Jewish lawyers use the word. Now, I had to find out the truth. So this gentleman looked up shyster in the best reference work he could find. He says, I turned to a dictionary of modern legal usage published in 1995 by leading legal wordsmith Brian Garner. <laughs> I was not disappointed. There on page 806, Garner defines shyster as a rascally lawyer one that is shrewdly dishonest, and unscrupulous lawyer. So far, no prejudice, except the, the welcome and healthy prejudice against crookedness. As Garner points out, however, the word shyster has long been an enigma to English-language entomologists. But the enigma was conclusively solved in 1982 when one Gerald Cohen, who wrote Origin of the Term Shyster, he wrote the book on his shit. Shyster, it turns out, was born of all places in New York City. Perhaps that should come as no surprise given the number of lawyers in that town. Cohen found no anti-Semitism in the derivation of Shyster. It was coined by a Manhattan newspaper editor in 1843 and through 1844. Cohen described how the newspaper was on a crusade against legal and political corruption. Then in the city... Uh, now, during this crusade, the editor formed the word Scheister from the vulgar German word Scheiss, how do they say that, "Scheiß," which apparently is excrement. Hence, Scheisser became Scheister. This, says respected lexicologist Garner, is the correct entomology of Scheister. The linking of Shyster to Shakespeare's Shylock is, reports Garner, only one of several mistaken hypotheses. Other erroneous theories are that the word comes from the proper name Schuster, supposedly the name of a corrupt practitioner, from the Gaelic whatever-the-fuck, and variously from words in Yiddish, Dutch, and (laughs) Anglo-Saxon. Now that was boring as fuck, wasn't it? I'm giving a fucking high school class here, and uh, I shouldn't be doing that. Anyway, Moon, I appreciate you calling me out on this thing. When I said the term shyster, it's just something I heard on TV over and over again and in my neighborhood back in the day. I never thought it to be anti-Semitic. The intent wasn't anti-Semitic. And as much as some people think it's anti-Semitic, turns out where it came from, is not at all (laughs) anti-Semitic. So, Moon, you're right. Some people think it is, but in realistic terms, it is not. Anyway, let's get to what's happening in the world. There is a lot of shit in the world. Vladimir Putin announced the first phase of Russia's war with Ukraine is over. The first phase? What the fuck does that mean? Now, it sounds like what they're doing, they're giving up on trying to take the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv. They're instead going to focus on eastern Ukraine, specifically the two independent states in Dubas, and liberate those areas. Now, keep in mind, these independent states were pronounced by Vladimir Putin, and they are not recognized by Ukraine. Now, understand what's going on here. you got to look into it and figure out what's happening, Putin is actually retracting without appearing to be, or actually retreating without appearing to retreat. They literally can't continue to keep going like they are. They're running out of supplies, gas, food, weapons, ammunition. And soon what they're going to be is like sitting ducks in the middle of Ukraine. They don't have enough supplies. These uh, military vehicles are going to be stopped. They're not going to have ammo. They're not going to have food. The morale is horrible. And they're going to be sitting in the middle of Ukraine. They know they can't go any farther. The whole idea of taking Kiev just does not work out for them. So instead, they're going to retreat a bit without saying they're retreating and focus on those two Alleged independent states in eastern Ukraine, in Dumbass. Make no mistake, Russia right now, they'll never admit it, but Russia right now is on the run. Putin is working for any kind of win he can get. Any win just to save his face. Or to save face. But that fucking face, for Christ's sake. Anyway. So Putin understands where he's at. He understands that he's in trouble. He understands that he can't win in Kyiv. He can't overtake Kyiv. The fact of the matter is he hasn't overtaken any major city in Ukraine yet, and that is an embarrassment. Now, that's not to say he hasn't done some destruction, killed some people, and done some horrible things. He has. But there is no next step for him. All he can do is hunker down and start shooting stuff, and he's not getting anywhere with it. He's not gaining anything with it. Now, here's the problem, though. What they're going to do is they're going to focus on Doombas, okay? Those two independent states. They're going to attack them, try to liberate them, or whatever they're going to fucking do. And now Vladimir Putin is going to want to sit down and negotiate peace talks, if you will. All of a sudden, Vladimir Putin is all interested in having peace talks. Now, Vladimir Putin doesn't want to give anything up, or at least appear as though he lost. So this is what he's probably going to do. He's going to go back to what he demanded before. And he's going to assume that Zelensky and the Ukrainian people are going to be so relieved that the big bombing all over Ukraine has stopped that they'll give in to his demands. So, What are his demands? Well, what he's going to want to do is to keep those two spots in Dubas independent states, and control them pretty much. He may even still ask that uh, Ukraine is uh, going to accept and acknowledge that uh, uh, Russia controls Crimea, uh, Crimea. Now, the problem is, Zelensky said from the beginning, we're not giving up any part of Ukraine. Vladimir Putin is still trying to hold on to something here. He can't do what he wanted to do. He's getting his ass kicked. So he thought he'd make it smaller. He thought it'd be more manageable if he focused on Donbass up in the eastern part of Ukraine. And then maybe the supplies won't be... Quite as tough because you're right near the border of Russia there, so it'll be easy to deliver that stuff. But uh, what Vladimir Putin is—he's settling for a small part of Ukraine. Unfortunately, Zelensky isn't willing to give up any part of Ukraine. And what's interesting about this is Zelensky is not a dumb person. Um. He sees that Russia's on the run. He sees that Russia is losing. He sees that Russia is compromising and trying to get down to something more manageable. So, if you're in control in Ukraine and the Ukrainian military, why would you give a fucking inch? I know Vladimir Putin. I know that mindset. And he thinks, okay, I got to get out of this, but I got to get something before I leave. So I'll just take these two little things, claim victory, and they'll be glad we're out of here. That's the thought process for Vladimir Putin. I can guarantee you, because I know people just like him. That same kind of personality doesn't make a difference if you're Russian or British or American or whatever the fuck. He needs to get a win for his own ego. But it doesn't sound like Zelensky is going to give him that win. Zelensky is not going to give up those two independent states or even acknowledge them as independent states. And he's not going to acknowledge Crimea either. So the question is, what then is Vladimir Putin going to do? Well, Vladimir Putin's got all kinds of problems at this point. He does have a lot of problems. It looks like there's some dissension in and around Vladimir Putin in the Kremlin. Now, we are seeing advisors around Vladimir Putin that are leaving, that are being fired. One was even jailed for whatever reason. Clearly, they have some problems. They have some big problems. Vladimir Putin has some big problems. There are oligarchs crying and whining about having no money. One said he couldn't even get a cleaner for his home or a driver for his car. He said, what is he supposed to do? Because I don't know how to drive. I need a driver. (laughs) That's what we call oligarch problems. So this has become a mess for everyone around Vladimir Putin. Everybody's feeling the sting from this. Even Vladimir Putin, he won't own up to it. But those oligarchs losing billions and billions of dollars the army being embarrassed, the government now being sanctioned. These people are getting a little antsy. They're getting a little nervous, and they're blaming Vladimir Putin. It's all his fault. They know it. And now they're getting a little side-eyed at Vladimir Putin. So there's one of a couple of things that can happen with this situation. It's bad for Putin on two levels. First, you get enough of the people around you upset, concerned, and scared, and hurting. You get the military. You get the government. You get the citizens. And this is a prime time for a, an authoritarian figure, a leader, to get booted the fuck out of office. They're tough guys. They control everything. But when everybody around you is suffering because of you, trust me, there is talk and there is things going on that is uh, planning to get Vladimir Putin the fuck out of office. They can't take this anymore. Yes, Ukraine is suffering. But so is Russia. Some of the richest people in Russia are suffering mightily. Uh, the citizens of Russia are are suffering now, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. Those sanctions are are wreaking havoc on the citizens. Their money is worthless. They can't get food. There's lines for everything. It's kind of like going back to the old days of the Soviet Union before they crashed and broke up. That was a bad time for the Soviet Union. Then they broke up. It became Russia, and everything seemed to get better. But now with Vladimir Putin in office and all this going on, well, they got some problems and they aren't liking it. Now, there's another level that is bad for Vladimir Putin in this situation. You got all these oligarchs, these governmental people. They're upset with Vladimir Putin. They've lost everything, or at least everything is tied up. This makes these people easier marks. For the United States to turn to get uh, important intelligence from them. They're at a point where they're throwing up their hands saying, fuck it, I, I don't know what to do here. I'm fucking done. I'm lost. I can't even get anybody to drive my car, for Christ's sake. <laughs> so so if the USA comes with some kind of lifesaver or life preserver and says, uh, look, man, we'll help you out, but you got to give us some information. How hard do you think it's going to be to convince them to give up some stuff? So we've got Vladimir Putin pissing off everybody around him. They're all going to be looking for ways to get rid of him. And then they're going to make him look stupid because these people are going to give up all kinds of intelligence, uh, further weakening Vladimir Putin. The bottom line here is Zelensky's not giving up shit. Vladimir Putin is in trouble and his time is short. So we just have to sit back and watch, and hopefully there isn't too much more tragedy and destruction and death because it's been hard to watch, and it's all for nothing, and Vladimir Putin is going to lose in the end. But all these people had to suffer and die for it. It's fucking appalling. If there is a possibility of charging him with war crimes, once he's out of office, he should be easier to wrangle and bring over to the Hague and put that fucker on trial. Because if somebody doesn't kill him, he should definitely spend the rest of his life in prison. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. So it was announced that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas was released from the hospital. Now, there's no word as to what he had in terms of an illness and if he's okay now or if he has to go back in or what's going on. Nobody's talking, not the Supreme Court, not the hospital, not the Thomas family. That's kind of weird. He's been in the hospital for a week and nobody knows why. He's a Supreme Court justice. We should know that. I can imagine Clarence Thomas coming out of the hospital after a week, seeing his wife and saying, Hey, what's new? Did I miss anything? (laughs) Yeah, Clarence, your whole fucking life's been turned upside down. That's what happened. Now, while in the hospital, Thomas' world did kind of implode. Uh, It was exposed that Thomas's wife, Jenny, exchanged text with former Trump chief of staff, Mark Meadows, leading up to and during the insurrection. I talked about this yesterday. We're going to talk about it again briefly. Jenny Thomas is, well, they like to call her a Republican activist. Well, she's more than that. She's a QAnon freak. She's a conspiracy theorist, and she's a nutcase. And it just so happens she's married and lives with a Supreme Court justice. Well, that is a little troubling. To say that's a conflict of interest is an understatement. Now, there's no way to know if they're both in agreement in all this crazy conspiracy theorist shit. But you got to believe, I've been married 38 years. If you guys don't think something similarly, it makes life very difficult. And oftentimes, those marriages don't last. Well, he and uh, this nutcase have been married for a long time. He certainly knows her mindset, because I would assume they talk. And he either agrees with it, or he's so henpecked that he just lets her do whatever she's going to do. The problem is, it really puts... Uh, Clarence Thomas in a bad position i mean it really puts his viability as a supreme court justice in question it 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 you have to question his credibility and his integrity because not only is he living with this crazy insurrectionist treasonist criminal But he's also working on cases that might tie to her or the things she's espousing. Now, in normal cases, if you're a Supreme Court justice and you're going to be uh, deciding on some case that somehow is connected to you by family or business or whatever, you would recuse yourself from that. That would be the smart thing to do. But unfortunately... Clarence Thomas didn't recuse himself. Again, I'll go back to the story. We know the National Archives was going to release a bunch of documents from the White House around January 6th. Donald Trump didn't want them to do that. He fought very hard through one court, through the appellate court and to the Supreme Court. You understand that everything he was dealing with, whether it be the big lie or this situation, His go-to was, let's get it to the Supreme Court. Well, why did he feel so confident about the Supreme Court? Was it because he placed three people on the Supreme Court? Maybe. Was it because he knew Clarence Thomas was in his corner? Because his crazy wife, Jenny, was in Trump's corner. You have to understand, Jenny Thomas was walking in and out of the White House. She's no doubt going to show up on these uh, visitor logs at the White House. That'll probably be the next thing to drop. Now, Jenny Thomas alone is nobody. Yes, she's a Republican activist, but she has no fucking power. The only power and influence she has comes through her husband. So she's trying to overthrow this country using his influence. Now, you see where the problem is there. That means Clarence Thomas is compromised. And the funny thing about this is, when these uh, documents were meant to be released from the National Archives, the Supreme Court voted against Donald Trump. That's cool. That was the right thing to do. But the weird thing about this is, the vote was 8 to 1. Now, the three people that Donald Trump put in office, put in the Supreme Court, voted against this. The only person uh, voted against Donald Trump. The only person that voted for Donald Trump in Donald Trump's favor was Clarence Thomas. That's weird. He thought those documents should be kept private. And what's interesting to find out is now that these Text messages were part of said documents. It sure sounds like he's trying to hide something, but it's also seeming kind of stupid. I mean, Clarence Thomas had to know that there are no way they were going to um, vote with Donald Trump, the rest of the people on the court. So by him not recusing or abstaining, instead voting um, a dissenting vote on this whole thing, Now he brings himself to light. He could have just abstained, and it would have been fine. He could have recused himself. It would have been fine. But he didn't do that. He voted what he thought was best for his family by covering up those documents, and he exposed who he is, what he is, and what he was trying to fucking do. That's incredibly stupid for somebody who's supposed to be as smart as Clarence Thomas. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. The problem here is, we've got a guy who's a Supreme Court justice, and he's married to a woman who's actively trying to overthrow our government. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. And it's getting splashed everywhere. Now, the question is, what can happen to Clarence Thomas? Can Clarence Thomas be impeached? Yes, he can, but the likelihood of that happening is pretty slim. It's just not going to happen. It's a big, long process. It's never worked before, and uh, given the Republicans have a certain amount of control, it's never going to happen. Can he be removed? Theoretically, no. I mean, there is no other way to remove a Supreme Court justice than to impeach him. And we already talked about how that would be a problem to do. Now, the one way that he's going to have a problem and he's going to feel pressured to resign is if public opinion goes really south on him. And it looks like it is. If you heard about this story, you know, the Confirmation hearing and the Ukraine-Russian war was the top stories. And then all of a sudden, yesterday, it was all about um, Jenny Thomas and her text with Mark Meadows. That was the big story. I mean, people are just aghast by this thing. This shows a ridiculous amount of corruption going on in our Supreme Court. Now, these Supreme Court people have been very touchy. They say, everybody thinks we're partisan. We don't want to do that. That will hurt our credibility. Well, bitch, that's nothing compared to what we're looking at now. The credibility of the Supreme Court is on the line and it's not looking good. If you have somebody like Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court, it's going to be hard to ever get any kind of credibility for the court. It's just, you know, it just makes them look bad. And as long as people are hyping about this, yelling about it, screaming about it, it's a top news story, this is going to put a lot of pressure on Clarence Thomas and the Supreme Court. Now, as much as they may not want to see Clarence Thomas resign, they certainly don't want him to take the court down with him. So where the pressure might come in this situation is with public opinion really pounding on Jenny Thomas and Clarence Thomas You might see, well, we'll never see it, but it could very well happen because these are people. The other Supreme Court justices concerned about the credibility of the court are going to start to put pressure on Clarence Thomas. They're going to want him gone. Now, that's a troubling thing for the conservative side of the Supreme Court because if he resigns, that means Joe Biden gets to appoint yet another Supreme Court justice And it ain't going to be conservative. And it ain't going to be Republican. And the Republicans will be shitting themselves. They will try every fucking thing they can, but there's nothing they can do. They can't stop it. If Clarence Thomas resigns, Biden can appoint somebody, and you can bet they're going to be liberal. And they will be fucking nuts. So they're caught in a tough spot here. If they keep Clarence Thomas on, it's going to degrade the opinion of the Supreme Court. But if they get rid of him, they're going to get him replaced with a Democratic candidate. It's a tough spot. So what we really need to do here as a people, we need to keep this in the forefront. We need to continue with the outrage. We need to keep pounding on this story. So the pressure continues on the Supreme Court and on Clarence Thomas. Now, the other thing that's going to be interesting is if Jenny Thomas is going to be asked to testify at the House Select Committee. Well, based on those texts, she obviously has evidence on this whole insurrection thing. I know she said, well, I was only there for a short time, but it got cold and I left. Well, we find out now that is absolute bullshit because she was in the thick of it. Not only was she sending these texts, I'm guessing you're going to find out a lot more about Jenny uh, Thomas's involvement in this situation. We also know that she had uh, several times going into the white house and, uh, carrying on meetings like she's fucking somebody and she's not why the trump administration allowed that i don't know that's fucking reckless as hell there's the hotel i think it was the mayflower where they had meetings she was there too as much as she wants to tell us that she wasn't involved This woman was really involved. There was a story going around that she organized the fundraising to pay for the buses to bring people up to Washington, D.C. Now, some people have said that that's not true, and some people say that it is true. I don't care if it's true. She was involved. One way or another, whether she got buses or she was coordinating or she was strategizing, the bottom line here is we have a Supreme Court justice who's supposed to be unbiased and go strictly by the law. But now he has a wife that is actively trying to overthrow the government. This can't be. These two things can't exist and still main maintain credibility with the uh, Supreme Court. So some shit is going to come down on this. Some shit is definitely going to come down on this. They aren't going to forget about this. Jenny Thomas is not going to go free on this. She's at worst or at least going to have to testify, and who knows, she might even be in a position to have to do some jail time for this too. I mean, this is fucking insurrection. This is treason. This is what Jenny Thomas has done. Now, she's ranting and raving about all kinds of uh, all kinds of uh, bullshit. I mean, she was stating stupid things like, "Yeah, uh, you know, all these Democrats will be living on barges outside of Guantanamo. <laughs> the, Biden, the Biden crime families going to jail in Guantanamo, and then they'll be executed. That's the shit he, she was saying. She's quoting QAnon verbatim. When most people in the Republican Party have said, yeah, QAnon's yeah, let that go. She's not letting it go. She's best buddies with uh, Sidney Powell, the crazy fucking lawyer of Donald Trump's who was spewing all this shit about the Kraken. Even in those texts, Jenny Thomas was quoting her and saying, we've got to release the Kraken. Now, these fucking people are nuts. There was a time in this country that we knew that uh, people running the country were smart, uh, composed, and rational And they didn't always do the right thing, but at least we could trust they were normal. Now we look at these fucking people in Congress, in the Senate, in the White House, and they're just fucking crazy. They're fucking crazy. Since we're talking about the Supreme Court, um, I wanted to uh, bring up the confirmation hearings for Ketanji Brown Jackson. And... I really hated watching that confirmation hearing because they forced us, but more importantly, they forced Katanji Brown Jackson to suffer through ridiculous questions by the Trump le I mean, it looked like uh, it looked like a fucking clown show inside a shit show. It was absolutely ridiculous, and I don't even think these people realize how stupid they looked when they were doing this shit. Now, there is some good news coming out of that confirmation hearing. Looks like we might have a road to victory, which would be nice. Joe Manchin, the quasi-Democratic senator from, uh, what, West Virginia? Yeah he announced that he will be voting to confirm Ketanji Brown Jackson, which all but guarantees Miss Jackson's confirmation to the Supreme Court. Uh, That will lock it up for the Democratic caucus. Now, I don't know if there was any question about Manchin signing on to this or not, but he was pretty clear that he will be um, voting to confirm her. And and the bottom line is... um, This whole fucking shit show of a hearing was an absolute travesty. I mean that Miss Jackson was forced to endure this fucking bullshit, this clown show, this shit show. This woman is the single best nominee for the Supreme Court justice position in the history of the court. Especially compared to the last three dipshits that Donald Trump put into the Supreme Court. This is truly historic. You have to understand that. This is truly historic, historic, having the first black woman as a Supreme Court justice. But it's also an embarrassment because of how long it took to get us here. We had the civil rights in the 60s. And here we are at 2022. And finally, we get a black woman as a Supreme Court justice. It's absolutely fucking appalling. And... and. uh, there's no excuse for it. It's only about racism. I mean, this black woman is immensely qualified. I looked at a, uh, a chart about all the things she's done. She's not even more qualified uh, than all the other people, the last 10 justices put in place. She's way beyond them. She's done far more things. She's been far more successful in those things. Now, we didn't have um, the Republicans going uh, shit crazy with uh, Brett Kavanaugh. They're all upset about how Brett Kavanaugh was treated by the Democrats, but let's face it, he had a credible accusation of sexual assault, a number of them. Now, to suggest that we wouldn't question that or try to get some evidence either proving it or disproving it is absolutely ridiculous. The Republicans didn't care. They said, well, we don't care if he sexually assaulted somebody. Let's just put him in because he's a conservative, and uh, we like him. Let's just hope Clarence Thomas does the right thing and resign. Then Joe Biden will get to appoint another Supreme Court justice. So when uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson is in, we're still at 6-3 to three split between conservatives and and liberals, it's still a tough position. When, when Judge Breyer left, and now uh, Miss Jackson is coming in, it doesn't change anything as far as the uh, the look of the Supreme Court. But now, if Clarence Thomas decides to resign, and Joe Biden can appoint another liberal into the Supreme Court, now the split is five-four. That's a little better situation, a lot better situation, in fact, and here's why. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts, while he is a conservative, he um, will oftentimes side with the liberal side of things if it's just crazy. At least there's an opportunity to win something in the Supreme Court. At this point, all we're getting is Republican ideology, conservative ideology, crazy motherfucker ideology shoved down our throat, and there's nothing we can do about it. So by having Clarence Thomas resign or somehow leave office, that's going to do a lot of good in the Supreme Court. It's going to even it out. Republicans will still have the advantage, five to four. But again, the one reasonable mind there is Chief Justice Roberts, and at least if it gets real crazy, he will vote against it. Now, the real goal here is to win in 2022 and uh, win in 2024 and give us another four years, six years to uh, install some more Supreme Court justices. But I was talking about this recently to somebody. I don't know if I did it on podcasts or TikTok or whatever, or maybe I was just talking to myself. I do that a lot. (laughs) Honestly, I do. My wife says, who are you talking to? And what happens is I get an idea in my mind for a story, and I'm trying to structure it in my mind, and sometimes I'll just say it so I can hear how it sounds and how it all comes together, and it's perfectly It makes perfect sense to me when I do that. But when other people see me do it, they think I'm fucking nuts. And maybe I am fucking nuts for even doing it in the first place. But I feel compelled to do it. And if I'm going to do it, I want it structured in a way that's understandable for you folks and makes some sense and is actually accurate to the best of my ability. So oftentimes I do talk to myself about this. And now I'm wondering what my fucking initial point was. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, is uh, hopefully we can get some sanity back into the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas has no business being in the Supreme Court. He's tainted. There is no good that can come out of Clarence Thomas being in the Supreme Court. Because he's not going to recuse himself from anything that is tied to his wife or that whole, that whole movement of these crazy motherfuckers trying to pull conspiracy theories and QAnon theories out of the air and making that fucking law. That cannot happen. That is a serious thing in this country. And that's why what I said before was the only thing we can do as people is make sure this story about Jenny Thomas stays in the forefront. Keep it in front of everybody's faces so ultimately they have to do something. That the pressure is put on the Supreme Court. That the Supreme Court's veracity is at risk as long as Clarence Thomas is still on the Supreme Court. When they finally realize that, they'll push that motherfucker out. They're not going to sacrifice themselves just to save Clarence Thomas. fact is, most of these fuckers probably don't even like Clarence Thomas. He was a loser when he came in. He's a loser throughout his career, and he's the biggest loser now because he's embarrassing this country, he's embarrassing the conservatives, and he's embarrassing the Supreme Court. We cannot have that. He has to go. And I think having Katanji Brown Jackson uh, on the court, a fresh face, a fresh mind, a brilliant mind, I think she will have a lot of influence on the Supreme Court. As I said in the previous podcast, based on her experience, her knowledge is her being very articulate and uh, very even tempered. You may see her as the Supreme Court's Chief Justice at some point down the road. Don't be surprised by that. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time with me. As I've said before, And I'll say it every time. I am amazed and honored that you take time out of your life to actually sit down and listen to me. (laughs) I wish I could have had that cooperation with my kids half the time. But, you know, you do what you can do. But thank you for listening. You have a great day. And we will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast.